Welcome to the English Florist Podcast. There's very much a diary feel to this episode, as Linz takes you through a week of teaching workshops, mentoring and training. She shares her ethos on teaching florists the business of event floristry and the flowers. Plus, there's advice on training if you're considering making that a part of your business. Also today, the mailbag, where Linz faces a difficult question about self-value, hourly and staff rates. Plus, there's flower of the week. But before we start, a message from Linz about future episodes. Hello, lovely listeners. Just to let you know, future episodes of the English Florist podcast will now be released on a Monday. Ordinarily, we've been producing and putting out the podcast on a Sunday. But we know that lots of you lovely listeners often listen in the week, and it makes sense that we put it out on a weekday. So in a couple of weeks' time, you will notice that release date will be on a Monday. It won't change anything else. And uh, we are so glad that you love listening to the English Lawyers podcast. And I, for one, love listening to your questions and queries so that I can answer them as part of the mailbag. So please do continue to drop me a direct message or an email and I'll do my utmost to answer them. And if you have any suggestions for subjects, for future topics, for recordings, love to hear those too. Thanks so much and keep tuning in for the next episode of the English Florist podcast. This week, I'm going to talk about my role as a florist teacher. And I think it's a perfect opportunity for me to kind of delve in and dig deep and kind of shine a little light on teaching floristry. I'm going to rewind a little bit and talk about when I became a florist. There wasn't really any sort of teachers like me available. Um, you either did a city and guilds or some sort of um, sort of standardised group floristry course, um, or maybe you were bench trained, which I was, and you went into a shop or you worked with a florist and you learnt on the job. At these days, um, lots of florists like myself actually teach florists who want to um, become florists. I say teach florists. We teach people who want to become florists. Um, and sometimes that might just be by, you know, working alongside us and they end up bucket carrying and cleaning vases and gradually doing more and more of the floristry. But also um, a lot of us florists either teach one-to-one workshops, which I do a lot, or we actually teach group workshops. And um, because I work from home and my studio is really small, it's just a converted garage, I can't really host more than two people at any given time. Um, And so in order to teach a larger group, which makes it more affordable and economically viable for a lot of florists to come and attend, um, I teach group workshops just down the road in a place called Etchins Well. There is this lovely barn which um, originally opened as a cookery school. Um, It has a kitchen at one end, it has this really long dining table and um, a wood burner and a seating area at the other end. It's really beautiful, Um, it's toasty warm, lovely um, airy spacious barn which I have been teaching wreath workshops in for a great many years. Um, And then a couple of years ago, I started teaching floristry workshops there. So I'm standing in my kitchen at the moment and I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six buckets of flowers, which are currently in the warmth and the light 
of my lovely, warm, airy kitchen, um, opening up gently in time for tomorrow's workshop. So I've got uh, one, two, three, four, four buckets of tulips. Um, that's a total of one, two, 250 tulips. And there's another 30 in the studio, which were nicely opening when they arrived yesterday. And I've got um, 50 beautiful daffodils, which are really quite tight still. Only one has decided to open. Um, but I'm hopeful that more will <laughs> more will open by tomorrow. And then there's also a um, a bucket or a vase rather of gorgeous um, anemones, a mixed bucket. So there are reds and purples and whites and lilacs and pinks in there. Um, the other one uh, was opening really nicely, but this one was quite tight. So these are showing lots of colour now and looking beautiful. And then on top of my dog crate <laughs> are six plants of jasmine. Um, sometimes I buy plants that are in flower, which I can then um, cut the stems and use in my bridal work. And so as part of the teaching process, I'm showing how I do my flowers. And so that's one of the things that I do. So the jasmine I've had in for a couple of weeks and it was tightly budded and now it's sort of showing colour, but still hasn't opened. Um, but I will be bringing those tomorrow. So yes, I thought this week, let's talk about teaching floristry and my thoughts on being a florist teacher and what I hope to achieve by being a mentor and a florist teacher. Just the joy that it gives me and the the satisfaction of seeing other florists go forth more confidently very often um, and more reassured. And certainly the group workshops I find are a really cathartic place for florists to come together and kind of chew the fat and uh, bond and actually feel like a body of people. Can you hear that? That's because I'm in my kitchen and Maple's having a drink. <laughs> Sorry, Maple. You carry on, love. You carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, I do feel that the, um, the group workshops are such a cathartic place for fellow florists to come together. It's such a joyful day. People often go home really kind of buoyed from being with other florists sharing their experiences and learning new things I think reassuring and gaining new skills is the key to the group workshops and um, yeah I'm looking forward to talking about these two workshops this week with you so I've just come into my flower studio and I'm just checking on all the flowers um, you can imagine if you've got 12 florists coming for a workshop in the morning we're going to be making hand tied bouquets and in the afternoon we're going to be talking about and making wired bouquets now um, normally the wired bouquet workshop i teach as a whole day um, but uh, wired bouquets are one of those things where you might get one in a year you might not get any requests for a wired bouquet or a showered bouquet I should say uh, during the course of a year um, and traditionally I would say over the last sort of 10-20 years a lot of florists have used the oasis plastic holders and then they push the stems into that cone of floral foam and are able to create a shower bouquet now for me I've never been able I've never used one I don't even I've never owned one I've never seen one I think when I got married I think I may have had one of those 
um, I've been married 31 years this year. So 31 years ago, I think it was kind of like the standard thing. Although that said, my mentor, because I was bench trained, remember, and I did a very short, limited city and guilds course. So I was taught to wire and I was taught to make wired posies and wired shower bouquets. But um, I, I was mostly taught by Louise McGregor, who was my, my mentor who bench trained me. Um, and I have applied her techniques to my own um, bouquet, shower bouquet making skills. It It is quite different uh, or fairly different. It deviates from the City and Guilds method in which there's a pass and a fail. And I remember when I was doing my City and Guilds, having already been working with Lou, I questioned, why do you have to do it like that? Why? And it was like, well, because we told you so. And I just thought that was a ridiculous thing. You know, um, my previous career as a midwife was you did things because there were consequences as a midwife if you didn't practice in a certain way. And um, I've always questioned, why do I do these things? Why is that important? And I felt very often in my City and Guilds course that there weren't good enough reasons that we were doing it. It was just a a, a hoop to jump through, to, to tick a box and get a certificate. And frankly, um, floristry is a creative skill. People book you because they like what you do. And um, and so I applied Lou's technique, which was a little bit more freestyling, shall we say, to my wired shower bouquet designs. And it's always worked for me. I just decided about, I guess, about seven or eight years ago, I was seeing other florists. They were teaching workshops and they were much less experienced than I was. And there they were offering workshops, you know, inviting people to come and do career courses and, you know, how to become a florist. And they'd been florists, what, two or three years themselves. And I remember saying to my colleagues in the studio, what on earth are they teaching? (laughs) And I I got quite hot under the collar a couple of times. And one of my co-florists said, well, Linz, you know, if, if you feel like you could do it better why don't you and I kept thinking no I can't do it and then I just thought well actually a lot of the things I've learned are through mistakes and through experience and I did probably have a lot more to offer than those florists that were offering workshops I kind of felt, and this may be controversial, but I often felt that people were teaching because they weren't getting the floristry event work. Um, They were quiet and they needed to earn an income and I get that. And so therefore they were offering workshops. Now, if they were just offering workshops to lay people who just wanted to learn to flower range, that was one thing, but they were actually offering people um, workshops to become florists uh, and they had very little experience themselves and clearly were very quiet compared to me. And so I just thought, well, to hell with it. I should really go for it. But I was really, really uh, reticent about that. I didn't feel, I mean, gosh, to teach, I, I you know, oh, to teach is quite a, a big deal for me. And I didn't know whether I had it in me, but I was getting people asking me to teach them. And so I finally tentatively offered my services and a couple of people bit my hand off and so I sort of had a couple of workshops with florists and I think through those those first initial workshops I really honed my skill I really got to grips with what I needed to to do as a teacher and um, how I needed to present myself and it really allowed me as a florist to break down the processes of what I was doing and why I was doing it and how I was doing it because a lot of those things I was doing I was doing instinctively and the florists at the workshops are asking me oh you've just done that why did you do that and I was like I don't know why. So yes, it's been a learning process and I'll not lie, 
every time I teach a workshop and I've taught probably 50 to 100 workshops every time I teach I learn something about myself as well as florists in general and so every time I teach I get better at teaching and I learn something about me and I learn something about how other florists learn and I can also see over the years that there are patterns that keep emerging from florists florists who have already done courses that aren't I don't feel learning everything they need to learn. If they've done a career change course, I often pick up a lot of florists who are doing the same courses with the same florists and they're coming to me with the same gap in their repertoire. And I just think, ah, they've paid all this money to learn to be florists and they're not doing these basic things. And so I've I've become quite passionate about how I teach, why I teach and the things that I teach. And I make it my business to for everybody that comes on a workshop, particularly the one-to-ones, I want my florists who come and, and learn with me to know that I've always got their back and that they can always reach out and ask me things because every day as a florist even after 22 years I'm still learning because floristry is constantly changing and evolving every single day Um, every single day I'm learning something new and so I like to share that I think it's because Lou trained me for free as it were I feel like I want to give something back because what she did to me was so life-changing I went from being uh, a midwife and then a stay-at-home mother to very slowly emerging as a florist because of what Lou taught me and it was such a wonderful joyful experience and still is (laughs) Um, I want to give some of that back and share some of that amazing camaraderie that she shared with me and so so that's kind of like the starting point of my my floristry teaching and when I see people um, who have been on a one-to-one workshop with me go away full of ahas and full of enthusiasm and full of relief very often um, and full of joy and love of what they do Um, and I can sometimes really really see that in their work and the way they express themselves um, creatively and and that's that's honestly it's priceless it's absolutely priceless to to be able to be a key in in seeing that transition in a florist yeah truly truly joyful so right now it's Sunday and tomorrow I have got a workshop um, to set up and deliver and um, I've done the really scary bit which is advertise and <laughs> that sounds really silly doesn't it probably oh how hard can that be well actually in order to teach a group workshop I have to have a minimum number of people because I have to hire a venue and I have to provide all the flowers and all the catering and backup staff alongside me to teach that workshop and that costs quite a lot of money and then I want to um, give those florists that have spent their hard-earned money with me a decent array of flowers and so I have to charge I have to a work out a price to charge I want it to be accessible I want to reach out as to as many florists as I possibly can um, who would like to come and spend a day with me and but it needs to be affordable Tomorrow's workshop is on bridal bouquets, as I say, both hand-tied and and shower bouquets, wired shower bouquets. And I want to be using the sorts of flowers that I would use for my wedding work. 
I often say this to my clients. You can get a meal in McDonald's. You can go into McDonald's and buy a Happy Meal for a couple of quid um, and it will fill the hole in your tummy and you're full. Um, You can go to a Michelin-starred restaurant and eat a meal and it will fill the hole in your tummy and you will be full, but it will be a whole different experience. The food will be lovingly sourced, carefully sourced. The recipes and the ingredients will be carefully put together and the chef will cook it to their exacting recipe. And as a florist, that's what I do. I choose and select those flowers and I create them with my hand, with my own style that's inside my head. And so when I'm teaching, I want to enable florists to have the confidence to choose the flowers that they gravitate towards, choose the flowers and the combinations of flowers and arrange them in their hands, their way. And the bit that I add to that is giving them the confidence to say, you need to be able to, you know, it's a bit like handwriting. So um, I can teach somebody to hold a pencil and make the shape of the letter and they can make the letter and they can join the letters up and they can make words. And we can all write the same word on a piece of paper, but it would look different with everybody's handwriting. And that's what you do when you create flower arrangements. We may all be using a similar combination of flowers, but what we put together will be unique to us because it's our hands and our creative style that makes it unique and bespoke. And I want the florists who come and learn with me to have the confidence to own their own style. And yes, they're going to take the skills and the mechanics and they're going to take the the wherewithal to create those arrangements from me. It's almost like a skeleton, the framework. I'm going to give them that that's what they're learning from me. But what they need to do is colour it in and put themselves into those arrangements. And they can take inspiration from me, um, just like I would take inspiration by just, you know, nature and other florists, perhaps, and, and fashion and trends. We all draw our inspiration from different sources. Um, what I'm trying to do is give them the wherewithal to enable them to join up those letters into a coherent word and and allow them to put their style of handwriting into those arrangements. So that's what I try and do. And so tomorrow, bridal bouquets, there are so many ways to tie a bouquet. Um, very often when I'm teaching a bouquet workshop here on my in my studio at one-to-ones, is say, for example, you're a flower grower and then you are selling your flowers by your gate and then um, you're then bunching them up. And so there's a bunch of flowers and then you kind of arrange them in such a way that they become a bouquet of flowers. And then you wrap that bouquet and then you sell it. Often what I see when people want to learn to make a bridal bouquet is I see a bunch of flowers sort of tied together, but it's it doesn't have the beauty and the flow and the delicate kind of combinations and the movement of a bridal bouquet. Um, And I have to kind of break down what they're doing. And I show them how I do it. And I break down why I do it that way. And that's, I think, and you might disagree, but I think that's what makes a good teacher, is I'm able to kind of break down the processes of what I'm doing 
and sharing that with the florist. And so tomorrow, that's pretty much what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my spin on how I tie my bridal bouquets. And my spin also comes steeped in experience, 22 years. That's thousands of bridal bouquets and observations of experiences of working with brides on wedding days and learning what works and what I know doesn't work. And I also look at other florist work and I look mostly as a teacher and I'm looking at florists that don't do many bridal um, bouquets or they only do a handful of weddings and I'm looking at how they're tying those bouquets. And there are so many ways to tie a bouquet from using a scrunched up bit of chicken wire as an egg and threading it through. Um, There's using your hand naturally held and kind of threading flowers through. There are ways of tying bouquets like a spiral bouquet. Um, There are just so many ways. Then you could have like an overarm bouquet. You can have a shower bouquet. It doesn't necessarily have to be wired. You can hand tie it as well. And there are so many ways. And so basically tomorrow I'm going to talk about how I do it and why I do it that way. And why I do it that way is through the experience of working with florists, sometimes through mistakes, sometimes just through observation. Um, And so I explain it and then I demonstrate it. And then, of course, the different flowers have, you know, different... um, benefits and shortcomings so we are as I'm standing here I'm looking at tulips I'm looking at at poppies I'm looking at fleshy stems of ranunculus Um, and the thing with those sorts of things daffodils is that they're fleshy stems and they can get easily crushed Um, if you've got woody stems um, they're much more robust but they're very often much heavier. And so I'm going to share all of that experience with the florist that I'm working with so that they can kind of understand so that when they're putting their bouquets together tomorrow, they can kind of apply all of my thought process to those bouquets. And they're also going to be using my selection of flowers. And what I've tried to do here is I've, I've, all of my flowers have come from my Dutch importers because here in March, March the 5th, as I'm recording this podcast, there is nothing in the garden. Um, I did try and buy some um, locally grown tulips. I say locally grown, there's nothing local here. They would be couriered to me. But because we're fast approaching Mother's Day, there was a really limited selection. And we're talking bridal bouquets here. We're talking the most focal, the most luxury bouquet. I don't want bog standard. I want luxury, special, exquisitely beautiful really frilly, really delicate, really interesting tulips. And so I couldn't get the amount that I needed. Um, So I've actually just gone and done a one-stop shop with my fantastic Dutch importers. And and I have the most amazing selection of flowers here. So I've gone with um, things like, uh, let me see, what have I got here? I've got some lovely French long stem tulips. Can you hear that? They're squeaky. They're gorgeous. They're just coming out now. They're showing all the colour, but they're just beautiful. I have got um, really, really, really long-stemmed ranunculus. I've got the most beautiful selection of anemones. Oh, my gosh. I've got these lovely blush ones here in the studio. The ones in the kitchen I mentioned earlier are much brighter. Um, I have got quince in flower. It is stunning. 
I have got roses because although it's not the rose season, I grant you, you know, we're making bridal bouquets year round and very often our brides expect roses in their bouquet. Not always, but they often do. And so I've got a selection of roses here. Oh, I've got uh, I've got one here which is unbelievably fragrant and again it's really important this is going to be held by a bride um, and be photographed oh my gosh it's going to be photographed it's going to be in so many pictures it needs to look wonderful but I want my flowers to smell beautiful too so I've got stocks I've got lilac uh what else have I got I've got viburnum lots and lots of viburnum I've got beautiful poppies um and I've got the first of the sweet peas coming over from Holland um I've got a hundred stems of sweet peas quite short stemmed but actually in a bridal bouquet that's absolutely fine and I've got 60 stems of my favorite hellebores here oh my gosh they are just fabulous and I've got some other things totally out of season like the roses I've got scabious I've got um what else have I got I've got some grasses oh yes I have got fritillaria um oh, they're just opening they're a little bit tight yesterday I might take them into the kitchen just to warm them up a little bit more but I've got snake's head fritillary um I've got some clematis and I've got some alliums, little delicate white frilly alliums. I've got some oxybetalum and I've got some um, cymbidium orchids, which smell amazing. And um, they can be either tubed. Um, so you take the little flower head and you tuck it, you pop it in a little tube on a stem of water and you can incorporate that into your bouquet. But actually I bought them because I love to incorporate them into wired work and they wire really, really well. So I've got those. Um, I've got stocks and I have got... Um, skimmia. I've got skimmia, which most people associate with Christmas, don't they? But not me. Well, I do. Of course I do. But um, actually, skimmia is starting to flower now, believe it or not. And so I have bought it because I love it at this time of year. It's really looking on point. Um, so I've got this lovely red skimmia. And then I've got lots of foliages. So I've got some trailing jasmine. I've got some janista, which is fragrant. Oh, gorgeous. And I've got some very lemony wax flower, which is really, really pretty. I've got two varieties. So I've got lots and lots of gorgeous ingredients here for the florist to play with. And a couple of bunches of spray roses, because I love spray roses pretty much more, actually, if I'm honest, than the big roses. Um, but yeah, so we've got lots of flowers to play with here. And I'm really looking forward to sharing my experience with these florists um i'll not lie i find standing up in front of a group of people once i'm up doing it and i'm just talking i'm okay but the the the, the anxiety <laughs> that comes ahead of these workshops is huge huge i do get very very stressed and anxious even though i try and rationalize it and reason with myself um yeah i do get quite stressed so I'm trying to kind of breathe my way through it at the moment um, because I'm really, I've, I've taught this workshop so many times on a one-to-one -one level so many times um, and I have taught wired workshops two or three times before to groups and they're always so fantastic but nevertheless, oh, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous. Um, so that's me. So there's a, there's a truth right there for you which I, I don't imagine you'd expect me to say but yeah um 
very, very stressed. So next up for today um, is to empty my van because it acts as a storeroom to get all the rubbish out of it that's currently stashed in it. And then I'm going to put all my props together. So I've got ribbons um, and I've got wires and I've got scissors and, and all sorts of things that I need to put together to make sure that I remember to pack. In fact, I'll put those all in the van. So that's what I'm going to do now. It's Monday evening, um, quarter past five, and I am, I've just arrived at Greenham Common actually. I've been at the Honesty Cookery School all day today teaching a bridal workshop, focusing on hand-tied bridal bouquets in the morning and wired bouquets, wire work in the afternoon with 12 florists and Fiona Juniper Hill Flowers, my co-florist, who's a really, really competent and experienced florist in her own right. Um, it was amazing. I always find them incredibly exhausting. I put so much into a workshop. So I woke up at about five this morning um, quite anxious which is really typical for me um, I know I can teach a workshop and I know I've got all the the wherewithal to to run a workshop <laughs> and no amount of rational reasoning with myself helps my my anxiety um, that said one of two workshops done check um, I feel a huge sense of relief and I'm really really thrilled to say that everybody went home with beautiful beautiful hand-tied bouquets this morning and um, they've gone home most of them begun wiring their bouquets but we just ran out of time and in a perfect world I would run a full day wiring um, workshop for florists but I simply can't get enough bums on the seats to do that um, it just costs too much money to put on the honesty cookery school is amazing it's a fantastic venue it's big and spacious and airy um, they're a cookery school so they actually provide lunch and refreshments and yeah it just makes my life so much easier I just literally have to raise the invoices um, promote the workshops so I'm just Maple had to come with me today unfortunately my husband wasn't able to stay at home um, I don't like leaving my dog for very long um, unsupervised at home um, and so she came today and we were allowed to just take her out and she went for a couple of little walks and a couple of wheeze and stuff during the day everybody met Maple she came in to say hello to everyone um, so now I am on the in the process of doing a really big walk so that she can really burn off the energy that spring spaniels have back to I can just hear an alarm and I'm sort of mindful that it might be my van um, alarming but I don't think it is so with a bit of luck and a fair wind, we are good. No one's trying to break into my van because it's got my laptop in it and a lot of flowers. Well, they're not that many because um, most people went home with flowers to um, and wires and tape to finish off making their, their wired shower bouquets. I really enjoy sharing floristry skills which are becoming rarer and rarer. And I like to explain why 
I love wiring so much. And I, I hope I inspire other florists to use this skill, even if they never get asked to make a shower bouquet, to know how to wire, to be able to wire and include it in your repertoire, to properly wire a buttonhole and a corsage, I think is a really good skill to have. So um, even if they literally, my God, the dog is mad. Even if they literally go away, as I say, and, and never actually make a bouquet for a bride, um, they know how to wire. They will know how to, if there's, you know, if they've bought some expensive roses and, and for some reason one of them gets snapped and it's like a key part of the bouquet, I think it's really important that they know that it's not the end of the world, that they can just stick a wire on it, gutter it, and um, they can pop it back in the bouquet. So it, it, is vers- it is a versatile skill, which a lot of florists these days, because of the way we're trained, um, just simply don't have. And, um, you know, a lot of florists, they, they are City and Guild trained, um, and you would think that's a fairly comprehensive skill set to have done courses which include wiring, but it's just one small part of the syllabus. And so invariably there was a handful of florists there today who um, had been shown how to wire, but it was so brief. It was an afternoon. They were shown how to do some simple format, possibly, although I can't confirm, by a teacher that doesn't really wire very often themselves. Um, And so maybe it wasn't really inspired or inspirational session. And then they can't really remember. Um, And then they go to set up their business and they're practicing as florists. And a situation arises where they might be asked to, you know, arrange a bouquet in a shower style. To be able to do that, knowing how to wire. Just to be able to practice those skills. Um, And the way I teach is not sitting guilt. I remember when I did my own one sitting guild course, I did actually um, ask why they, why we did it this way, and um, and I was just told, well, that's because that's the rules. We do it that way because that's the way we do it, and that's just not a good enough reason. Whereas Louise McGregor, who trained me, used to wire a lot. I mean, back in the day. And um, she taught me, and she broke all of these rules that City and Guilds stipulated I had to jump, these hoops I had to jump through in order to pass my wiring um, phase of my workshop. And um, I just felt really frustrated. So I've always wired the way Lou taught me, and it's always stood me in good stead. Um, One of the things I find is the old style wiring. It's a very, very delicate, lightweight, ethereal bouquets, which was the trend. These days we want to create that fuller, floral, heavier, um, more hand-tied density of a bouquet in a shower style. And it's very hard to do that by tying it and not wiring it. Maple, I'll throw that in a minute. So I break all the rules and show them how I do it. It's a really good way of doing it. It's really logical. And it no, it doesn't look particularly... The handle's not as delicate and, and fine and beautiful, shall we say, as the City and Guild way. But you know what? It works. And it does the job it's intended to do. And the look of the bouquet is full and floral. Bear with me one second. Maple! There are lots of cows grazing at the common. Maple has just hooned off to um, say hello to them. 
and they're just ignoring her and she's not barking at them so that's fine but I just I might just call her off Maple Maple bless her she's been in my cab pretty much all day and has not complained so I can't tell her off too much so yeah I do it the way I do it um uh oh I do it the way I do it because it works and it suits the type of bouquet that the modern day bride will want in a cascading style. And people, <laughs> even today, it was so lovely to hear some of the florists who are City and Guild trained say, oh my God, that makes so much more sense. That just makes me really happy. Um, and it, it makes me really happy that I'm passing on floristry skills and inspiring other florists to continue to be the best versions of themselves and to break the rules. Because do you know what? It's an art form, not a science. And we should just do it. I'm teaching them techniques that work for the modern day bride. And I feel like that's a really good thing to do. And people go away inspired and uplifted and really wanting to practice and hone those skills. And that's a really good thing too, isn't it? So um, in spite of all my anxiety and my, my desperate eagerness to inspire and, and share the floral love of what I do, um, in spite of all the anxiety that that causes me, I know that I'm doing a good thing. And I'm always proud of myself after I've done it and the effort, the huge amount of effort and preparation that goes into running these workshops. It really is a huge amount of effort. It is Tuesday morning and um, I went to bed about 11 o'clock last night um, trying to catch up on emails um, which poured in on a Monday morning as they often do. Um, so it was a really exhausting day yesterday. We did an hour walk, Maple and I, at Green and Common. Um, she's currently not a liver and white spaniel, but she's kind of like a liver and rusty spaniel. But to be fair to her, she sat in the cab um, with a few leg stretches and a few wee breaks um, throughout yesterday. So she did really well and I did owe her a really good run. Um, so this morning I'm in my kitchen. It is 20 past seven. Um, I'm up and I have to go out shortly um, because I have a Pilates um, class this morning. One of the things about being a florist for this amount of time um, Compounded by the fact, um, before that I was a, a midwife and a nurse, I have a bit of a dodgy back, which when you get to your mid-50s, um, wheels start falling off, <laughs> things start rusting up. Um, and so I've had a bit of an issue for about six months now, and um, I have to look after myself. So I'm prioritising my general well-being today and heading off to do a reformer class to build up my core strength really really important if you are a florist that you have some degree of core strength that's my kettle boiling um cup of tea coming up very very shortly um just thought i would start the day with a um diary entry for the this week's podcast just to kind of give you a little window into teaching a workshop um i'm just going to i'm sort of on my phone at the moment but i'm i got the most delightful emails yesterday from two of the florists that joined me on the workshop and I'm just um, 
One of them was actually really harsh on herself and her own abilities to be a florist. She just wanted to say how useful and inspiring um, yesterday's workshop was. It's a lot to cram in into a few hours, especially when we all have so many questions. She says, um, I enjoyed trying out a new looser style of hand tied this morning and I will certainly um, push doing more of this style in the shop. Sadly, the end result of my award bouquet was not as I would have liked. Um, Not anything to do with your teachings, but just basically fiddly fine work is my nemesis. And I don't have the patience or grace to produce anything delicate. And I did reply to her because I said I thought that was extremely hard because actually the truth of it is I don't have much patience and I don't, um, I'm not usually very good at fiddly work. Excuse me whilst I just reach into the cupboard and get the tea bags out. But um, I think we can be our own worst critics. I think sometimes when you're learning a new skill, of course you're not going to be um, proficient or even fluent at it for quite some time. And I did really try hard to cram so much information into that day yesterday. And I think it's really important that we sort of have a a period of kind of reflection and absorption and then we can look at our work with a fresh set of eyes. So I hope those florists today are looking at their hand-tied bouquets and they're taking on board many of the points that I tried to make um, in that session in the morning. But more importantly, um, the afternoon session it's really really intense and a lot of people learning to wire in itself, before you've even made a, um, a bouquet or a buttonhole or anything, is a, a really big deal. It really, really is. Um, it's not easy. And um, I did uh, retell the story of when I first met Lou um, and I went back to her kitchen and she taught me how to wire a, an ivy leaf whilst she just deftly threw together this amazing shower bouquet of dendrobium orchids and spray roses and a few other bits and pieces. Bit of, bit of not bear grass, and there could have been bear grass in there, bit of soft ruscus. And I was just struggling literally getting the silver wire into the sort of the vein, the middle vein of this ivy leaf. Um, but what it did was it sort of sowed a seed inside me of a real genuine desire to learn those skills that she so clearly had and it was so obviously intuitive to her and you know 22 years on I am Lou in that sense that I I you know how I put my hand tied bouquets together how I wire flowers is utterly intuitive to me and I just do it and I can talk at the same time What frustrates me on a group workshop is I try, in order to get bums on seats, to be honest, to um, have enough, pull a big enough crowd for it to be economically viable. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to make a living through teaching in the same way as my fellow florists who come to those workshops need to justify the expense because it's going to enhance their own repertoire. I try and make it as full as possible and ideally what I really should do and have done in the past 
um, is teach a full day of wiring, but I simply don't get enough people for me to hire the venue um, and do it to, to make it in any way um, economically viable. And so that's why I combine two things in one. What ends up happening is I say, please come for 9.30 so that we can start at the table promptly at 10 o'clock. And then I'm sort of thinking, okay, so we've got 10 to 12.15 and then we need to really stop and we need to go and have some lunch and then we need to sit down and I need to talk about wiring. Um, and yesterday we started about quarter past one and we didn't finish till about half past four um, because the amount of uses um, wired flowers have from something like a little tiny posy to um, we started with buttonholes, we started with um, just flower wands, just how wires in flowers can make such a huge difference. And then finally, um, I and I literally did throw together a, a wired bouquet. Fiona had been, who's my co-florist yesterday, um, from Juniper Hill Flowers, very generously stood there and wired all of the flowers. And I was able just to kind of show people how I was wiring all the small pieces but there was a sort of uh, a bucket of wired stems all good to go so that I could just put this small shower bouquet together to show people Um, and then I wanted to finish it off completely so how I do the handle how I ribbon it um, and sort of all the all the things that I need to say and get across and it's really a whole day's work and then some Um, and often people who come for the one-to-one benefit a lot more because it's just me and them rather than me and 12 other florists um so I hope most of those florists did film um my demonstration uh, or make notes I know certainly I sent them home with um sort of sheets of paper with um information about wiring yeah it was really lovely to have um the feedback yeah so I just mentioned one didn't I one feedback um one message email yesterday and there's another one and I'm just looking at my phone um and this lovely one said, I just wanted to drop you a quick email this this evening to say thank you so much for putting on the workshop today. A lovely time, great venue, delicious food and wonderful company. The flowers were perfect, of course. And I came away feeling really proud of everything I made today. And I had learned a new and invaluable skill with the wiring. The biggest achievement for me today was walking away feeling that I, the girl who never really meant to be a florist, can hold my own in a room full of proper florists without feeling like an imposter. I drove home smiling. And that, for me, makes the workshop worthwhile. To know that I am enabling other people to feel like they actually have got a valid skill and they're contributing to floristry in what they're doing in their little neck of the woods and and that's the thing it's enabling other people to be the best versions of themselves um sometimes people look at other people being florists and think they don't quite cut the mustard um and it's my job as a teacher and role model to enable people to feel like they belong. I think that's really, really important. And a group workshop enables me to emphasise this process that we are all the same. It is, in many ways, a level playing field. Um, the downside to social media is in our in our efforts to kind of sell ourselves and big ourselves up, which we should do, is it can be... Um, very inhibiting to um, others, other florists. Um, and 
it can seem like we're not doing nearly as well and we're not nearly as successful as others. Um, And when you come together as a group on something like a workshop day, um, you feel like you belong and you can, well, I often make it my business to share those situations and share and air those concerns so that we all feel like we are good enough. Um, So it's another upside, um, sort of psychologically really, to coming to a group workshop. Um, You still get that really intense sense of belonging and and self-value if you come to a one-to-one but there's a real sense of camaraderie to a big group of florists hey mapes you wait that look take that take that out alexa off so welcome to my studio um quick time check it's quarter to three and um I'm still conditioning my flowers. Um, I didn't start this morning conditioning my flowers. I actually left home at half past seven. Well, that's the thing when you work for yourself. You kind of fit in your life around your workload. And so um, I went and saw my osteopath, who's been looking after my back and my neck all for about five or six years at least, maybe more. And that's the thing, uh, working for yourself as an event florist, lifting, climbing, carrying, hoiking, lugging, you name it, we do it. And um, I think it's a its a very timely reminder to say that you have to look after your back, you have to look after yourself. Oh, I don't know what that was. Oh, okay, it's fine. Um, you have to look after yourself and you have to, you do have to prioritise it because this is my living. And if I don't look after my back and if I don't look after my health and I don't protect myself from getting ill, then I I can't earn a living and so it is important and I think it is relevant to say that we do have to prioritise ourselves and put ourselves first and in nursing we call it triage if you go into an A&E um, you'll see a triage nurse and she will assess how sick you are and you will be prioritised how sick you are as to how soon you see um, a medic and the more urgent it is the more um, the faster you'll get seen and I kind of triage my workload on a day-to-day basis I need to do the things I need to do and what can wait can wait and the truth of it is the flowers going and having a drink of water it's a cold day it's snowing um it's it's zero degrees so it's not like it's a boiling boiling hot day and they're going to wilt even in the studio they're absolutely fine let me tell you um I'd already bought in the ones that needed a long drink and a perk up and chance to open yesterday so I gave myself time for that and so this morning I tootled off it was snowing I was driving at 30 30 miles an hour most of the way to, um, well, it's about, I don't know, 20 miles, something like that, to see my chiro- my osteopath. And and then I went on to Wazing Park and delivered some table flowers. Um, I wasn't sure whether the client I was supposed to meet there would turn up because of the snow. So I decided I might as well just drop them off and then return and see her later, which is exactly what I did. And that enabled me to get a message out um, by email when I got home to my um, workshop tomorrow to let them know that it's definitely going ahead, that the roads are clear for them to get through through and then I tootled off again to meet my client um, at midday to talk about uh, wedding flowers for this May um, and then I came home by which time it was about one one o'clock one thirty, ate something and 
came out here to condition my flowers by about two. Um, and this is where I am now. I'm still wading through the flowers. Um, the reality is there are flowers here that I'm sort of segregating, which are going to be opening for a funeral on Monday. I've got lilies in, for example. And so they often come in super, super tight. Um, so, And I really want them properly open. I don't want any suggestion of the colour. I want to see them fully open, really, really filling a space, making it super, super floral. So they need to be properly open. Um, so they came in today and I'm just steadily wading through my conditioning. And the re- reality is I got a box of eucalyptus yesterday, um, which I said already, which I have <laughs> haven't actually conditioned yet um which is it's the last thing I'm going to do but I actually know that the eucalyptus is just amazing stuff it's going to smell gorgeous the moment I open that box and I'm going to stuff it in some trugs full of water it'll have I don't know t- 15, 18 hours before we even use it. But it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I'm I'm prioritising my day according to what needs to be done. Um, and what needs to be done now is I need to, once I finish the conditioning, is I need to sit down and have a cup of tea, gather myself, and I need to make a list. And I'm going to do a plan for my um, teaching tomorrow. Now, I pretty much know what I'm going to do, but um, by actually planning and writing down what I'm going to do, I will also write um, a list alongside that of the things I need to pull out of the shed I'm going to pack my van of all the metalware the vases the wherewithal the heavy duty stuff and mechanics um, and then I am going to leave all these flowers in here because I it's it's going to be freezing tonight so they can't possibly go in the van overnight they'll just freeze so I've got loads of beautiful flowers I'm really happy with my choices I'm really um I'm I'm nervously excited um I'm nervous because I care. I care passionately about giving the best of myself. Really, really, really. Um, People pay money to learn from me and come and do a workshop. They expect information overload in my case. They expect beautiful flowers, generously flowered in my case. Um, and, And I literally empty my brain and 20 years of experience. The good, the bad and the ugly, actually. Um, I think it's really, really important to share what doesn't work and what was disastrously bad um, with the stuff that works amazingly well. And from that stems lots of conversations and lots of questions from my florist guests who will be there tomorrow. It's, it's really important that I am truly an authentic jobbing event florist. I think that's why people come and learn from me because I really do know what I'm talking about. And when I don't know, I'll say. And when I say, well, I just made it up as I went along, I'll say, because sometimes I think there is a real beauty in the serendipity of, you know, just bundling together a load of flowers and gorgeous colours that I don't overthink it. I don't overthink it. Um, So I'm just, as I say that, I'm just looking and smiling to myself. I'm holding a bunch of um, really short short stem delphiniums. They know the really, really kind of piercing blue ones. And I'm putting them next to two wraps of beautiful red tulips, which I ironically ended up in my box uh, on Saturday morning which I hadn't ordered so I had literally a hundred tulips that I didn't order and they didn't really they didn't sit with my kind of the cut the mix of colors that I'd chosen for Monday's workshop but I took them along and a couple of people had one or two of them but I I actually put them in the table centers today at Wazing Park and um 
they've opened up and they've got a slightly orangey hue, which is really very pleasing. But the thing that I know because of experience is I love a blue-red combination. And the red has to be red-red and the blue has to be no shit Sherlock blue it has to be really really blue and this potent combination of these two colors in my eye is heaven it's absolute heaven and by sheer serendipity I've got that um but to kind of temper it a little bit I've got <laughs> temper it I've got mimosa bright yellow mimosa I've got some lovely parrot tulips. Uh, they're really frilly and they're really veiny with, um, well, they've got a little bit of touch of tinged with a bit of orange, some of them, um, but they're sort of almost buttercup yellow. Um, I've got some leftover daffodils from Monday, which were, they came in on Saturday, super tight. They're just beginning to think about open that this is the last 20, but they're going to be perfect for tomorrow. Um, and I've got some really Barbie pink, but pointy, beautiful tulips, which on Monday open fully, literally. If you pinch your fingers together and open your hand wide, they were that wide in the workshop. And then I bought them home because no one really tried them. To be fair, they're, they're really long French tulips. Um, so they're about sort of 60 centimetres, mm, yeah, 60 centimetres long. So a lot of people are a bit, af- a bit afraid of putting them in their bouquets. And I had some other lovely options as well as those. So they're back with me, but they look great. Um, I've got just a tiny wrap of 10 poppies in all those peachy, orangey, yellowy colours, corally colours, and um, unlike the 50 that I had on Monday, but just this is just for one of my demonstration uh, foam-free arrangements. And then I've got a bucket of gorgeous stocks ranging from lilacs, uh, whites to shocking pinks and purples. I've got a bit of leftover lilac and I've got a little bit of leftover clematis as well, just to kind of add that punchy bit of purple, which is just gorgeous. I've got absolutely masses and masses of foliage because this is a foam-free workshop and we're doing big installations. I've got, um, I think it's 60 stems of viburnum opus really short stemmed because i'm it's going to go in the runners um as much as anything else and that's really quite punchy and actually i'm holding that 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 wrap of uh really gorgeous blue um delphinium and it's looking flipping amazing next to it and then if i walk through into my dining room this is the opening station um i have got um about uh 50 60 70 80 stems of white ranunculus when i say white uh one wrap i think i've got 30 stems of like a very pale ambrosial creamy color and the rest are white and they're all opening beautiful because they came in yesterday and then this morning um and i've just bucketed them up now i've got two dozen quicksand short stems but they're perfect um and i've got 30 stems of dorchester rose and it's really interesting because um they were both on special and one of them is like the go-to rose. I was talking on my previous podcast to uh, Mac and the Mushroom, Kim Koshugian, and she was referring to how expensive quicksand roses were. Well, let me tell you, these were reduced in price when I bought them yesterday. And, um, they're just 60 centimetres, which is perfect for me. So I wanted to use them because I know everyone's going to swoon over them. But actually, the reason why I bought them is I wanted to demonstrate in the bucket that my one pound 2p 
gorgeous 70 centimetre stem of Dorchester rose. He's not far off the mark with the quicksand. And it's it's almost like a side note um, for the foam-free mechanics is that you, you don't always have to use the exact brand or you know the Heinz beans you can have your 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 own brand variety and I kind of see you know I often see that in sort of big installations but buy your expensive flowers your big beautiful expensive bridal bouquets yeah buy your focal flower for them but if your bride isn't really worried but she just likes the aesthetic then sometimes you can mix and match and so a Dorchester in that situation will be perfect and um, particularly in peak wedding season when the Dorchester is still probably about £1.10 and the quicksand will be about £3.50. I've seen it as high as £6 last year so I'm kind of making a point um, to my fellow florists about economies. Economies as Lou said in a previous podcast, economies she kept saying so um so tomorrow is about foam free but it's also about um disseminating experience it really really is and experience should have taught me to put my phone on flight mode so that you wouldn't have heard that ting because obviously somebody's whatsapping me um so on that note i'm going to i'm going to sign off it's uh, nearly three o'clock now i've been chatting far too long but i just wanted to give you a little update of where i am on um this mad crazy week of workshops and life really and just fitting in uh, me with being an event florist, really. So I'm sure lots of you listening to this are nodding away going, yeah, tell me about it, Linz. God, it's flipping mad, isn't it? Um, But that is the reality. But finally, would I swap it for a day job just getting my salary and coming home? Well, there are days when I would, but actually the reality is I love being my own boss. Um, It's a total ball ache sometimes because you have to own up and take all responsibility for everything. Everything I do, every decision I make is on me totally on me and so you have to have your big girl pants on or um as my husband would say I have to grow a pair of balls I have grown an enormous set of balls (laughs) um the responsibility of owning your own business and and kind of thinking on your feet is enormous and um I take I I definitely love the the responsibility but also I love the fact that I can just kind of you know book an appointment and go and see my osteopath or you know, this afternoon I'm hoping I'll get away for a quarter to seven yoga class because I didn't manage my, my one this morning. So working for yourself is is brilliant and bloody awful in equal measures, but I'll take the brilliant and I'll take working for myself absolutely every time. Absolutely every time. Right, I really do have to go now, but I think I've made my point. <laughs> Um, quick update. Um, um, in my kitchen, have drunk said cup of tea. Am writing list whilst multitasking, looking at emails, booking in more one-to-one sessions. There's the lovely florist returning, saying what she when she wants to book in with me. And um, I've just looked at Instagram and. Um, <laughs> I've just seen what one of the florists who was on Monday's workshop has made. I mean, I, we ran out of time. I shoehorned so much in that um, not everybody had the time to finish their wired shower bouquets. But what they did do is take loads of flowers home. And actually, I think it's a better thing. Is in, uh, Instead of being under the scrutiny of me and, and 11 other florists, is they, they did it in their own time, which I think is a really good thing. There is something about wired 
admiring flowers and assembling it in front of a mirror, which is quite meditative. And you just need to focus with no other distractions, least of all a bloody florist or 11 others making it too. And um, Beth, one of the florists, has just put on Instagram a picture of her finished bouquet. And it just looks flipping beautiful. And it just makes me feel so happy that, you know, that ramming in all the information I can convey got through and she picked up the information and she digested it and she went home and she finished the job and she flipping well knocked it out of the park. And that just, oh my gosh, my heart is brimming over. I'm literally, I'm just hand on my heart. I'm, I'm just so happy that the florist's are learning from me and are taking on board and are proving to themselves they can do this. This is not rocket science. This is just having a creative passion and learning the tools of the trade and practicing because good florists practice, practice, practice and they keep doing and they get good at it and they learn from their mistakes and they build on the things that they do do and they make it better and they get more confident and it becomes intuitive and it becomes a habit because you just know what you're doing and your body just does it and you kind of have an eye for where to place things. And that's what you need to do. And it takes time. You can't just walk in and go, yeah, I'm a florist. You need to do it. You need to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then again. And then again. And times that by 20, 30. And then you get good at it because you know what you like and you know what you're good at. So there, that's it. I just wanted to add that because I'm so flipping happy that she got it. And I'm looking through the emails and the thank yous from Monday. And um, I also want to say thank you to Fiona for being a flipping brilliant co-florist and coming at it from a slightly different angle, uh, more mechanical, more kind of intuitive uh, what's the word? She, she's been properly trained and so she, she can phrase it slightly differently. Um, and I just think two of us is better than one and she's great. She's flipping fantastic. So yes, get in. Right, got to go back, got to do my um, plan, 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 plan and get to the shed. Um, I'm just glad that the days are getting longer and we're not going to run out of light soon. So must go, but just wanted to add that in. Okay, um, just a little quick entry before I depart for my um, final workshop of the week. Um, it's Thursday morning, it's raining, it's not snowing, okay, so reasons to be thankful. It's not icy um, and it's not snowing um, and I know that other parts of the country are probably got about 14 inches of snow and it's probably like a blizzard and everything will be quiet and silent. Here it's not, it's raining and um, hopefully everyone that's booked on my workshop will be able to make it today. I am loaded to the gunwales, literally. Um, Maple's not with me today. Um, on the passenger seats are my toolbox, um, a crate full of props, a trug full of moss, some plastic trays for funeral tributes, 
a dried flower wreath because um, I've shoehorned so much into today's workshop that I didn't have time to make a wreath and put it on a candelabra, which I did last time. I'm doing something else, but I kind of feel like, oh my God, that's another thing. I should be showing them what the, how they could do it. So I've just bought a wreath with me that's dried. So that will prompt me to talk about it. And the van is absolutely ramo, ramoed. So um, I just need to go and do it now. Um, I'm anxious because, <laughs> well, it's like I'm a stuck record. I know I'm always anxious, but I know I've got loads of kit, loads of flowers, loads of foliage. Um, I've got a lesson plan. Um, yesterday I decided to go and do the yoga um, at quarter to seven till eight o'clock just because I just needed to stop. My mind was whirling and I would have just fannied about, um, cooked supper and crashed. And actually I just needed to do something for me. It's a drive to be more self-caring of me. It is six o'clock and I am home. I don't think I'm entirely home in my head. I'm so tired. It's been such a long day. Really, really brilliant. But um, when you teach um, a group of 11 florists and they ask lots of things of you and you want to share everything you know, everything you know so that they get value for money and you want to make sure they go away equipped to make that change, to go foam free. And um, yeah, it's exhausting um, and it was slightly not marred but complicated by the fact the weather was dreadful today and so I had a lovely florist fly in from Aberdeen uh, her flight was delayed another florist locally who had um, missed the turning and got lost because it is quite rural and another florist oh I'm just turning around um, another florist who um, when did oh she turned up at my house <laughs> instead of the workshop um so we started a little bit late but um I think I got everything across that I wanted to and everyone seemed to be really happy with the day I I'm never sort of smug and sort of self-satisfied when I teach a workshop I'm always like is this okay is this am I giving you enough information am I showing you enough is there anything else you want to know I'm constantly asking you know what more can I give you what more can I give you but I think it went down really, really well. That's my dog scratching at the door. You can go out, Maple, in a minute. Um, I am literally running on empty. So I'm going to go and have a bath now. And then um, um, I'm calling it a day. I've left everything packed in the van. Um, it's not really freezing cold anymore. It's been bucketing down with rain. So I'm going to leave everything and I'm going to start Friday by emptying my van. I'm just switching off now. My brain is, oh, I am done. Exhausted. I think I might have a glass of wine though tonight because I've earned it. Um, I know it's only Thursday, but it's junior Friday, right? But first, a bath. I've had a cup of tea. The dog is really upset because I don't have it in me. I don't have enough gas in the tank to walk her. And it is dusk now. So I think tomorrow we will do a big walk and we'll empty the van. I don't have any work for the weekend and I'm really grateful for that because I think I need a lie-in and I think I need to not be a florist for the weekend. So that's me done. I will probably have a chat when I'm feeling a little bit more sparky um, and recharged tomorrow and I'm hoping that I might get some feedback from the lovely florist that came today. This 
This week's question comes from a florist who wrote to me via direct message on Instagram and I'm going to withhold their name um, and I'm going to be careful how I read this question because I don't want to give too much away or divulge too much information other than um, it reads as follows. Morning Lindsay, I want to ask if you would mind at some point discussing hourly wages and the value of staff at some point on your podcast. I'm sadly looking for work um, and as our situation has changed and I came across a job, um, I don't want to give too much away here too, but they are offering, oh, here we go. On paper, it's a wonderful job and you'd need a few years experience for it, um, but they're offering, wait for it, 13 pounds an hour. Is it me or is it us that is crazy? I know life is crazy for everyone at the moment, but I can't see how this is classed as a living wage. Maybe it's me, maybe I think I'm worth more, but I just feel rather sad after almost 30 years in the business and lots of experience, honest, hardworking, and pretty good at what I do. I'm only worth 13 pounds an hour. What are your thoughts? Well, I have to say, that's a really difficult one. And I, I do think £13 is a bit lowly. A bit is a bit of an understatement. Um, I have actually asked other florists and other florists asked me what I pay my freelance staff. And I think it's, it's important that there isn't a right or wrong answer here, but I think there are lower ends of acceptable rates of pay and there are favourable rates of pay. Um, and it depends on, you know, I guess how successful your business is, what your overheads are. Um, but for me, and I speak personally as opposed to on behalf of everybody else, I think it's really important that we value our staff that work with us. And for me particularly, um, I don't have a permanent member of staff that's on my, a payroll. Um, so people come and they work for an hourly rate. And so I'm not, if it's a quiet time, a dip in the work, which it has been actually for me um, since January. I don't have any weddings or events until April onwards. Um, if I was had somebody on my actual payroll, that would be really, really difficult. And so I pay by the hour for the hours that I need someone to work alongside me. And, and so I think I pay a fair rate of pay. Now, I know I'm here in the southeast of England, um, and I know if you work in big towns or cities like London, there is a London waiting, and so the price may go up. Um, and I've had conversations with other florists, as I say, about this. And so I think between £15 and £25 an hour would be a reasonable range of rates of pay according to your skill set and what you're expecting your member of staff, the florist, to do for you. So if you're not going to be there and they're actually organising it, ordering the flowers and actually just getting on and running the business, then I think the upper end of that range is definitely where you should be pitching your price. Um, for me, I'm a hands-on florist. I do all the ordering. I do pretty much everything, roll my sleeves up and get in the studio. But I do have 
qualified and talented florists working with me. And therefore, I do pay them what I think is a reasonable hourly rate. And I pay them according to their skill set and how well they are able to adapt and to just get on and do. And sometimes I have to go off out and set up something at a wedding and I'm leaving them in the studio on their own and they just need to be able to look at my proposal. They know the flowers that I've got in because I'd have gone through it all first thing with them. And I trust them. Um, they Everyone needs to be able to wire a buttonhole so that I can just kind of leave all of those things to my team to do. If I'm able to do those things, I often do them myself, but I expect all of my team to do all aspects of floristry and I mean practical floristry, the actual admin side I keep for me to do. Um, and so therefore, I'd like to think that my rates of pay reflect the skill set. However, if you've got a big organisation and you've got buckets to wash and flowers to condition, those are slightly less technical, well, not slightly, they're very less technical. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily require a florist with, with you know, a skill set and certificates and, you know, properly trained to do those jobs. And certainly lots of florists, and I include myself in this, were bench trained. And so I got a nominal amount of money, but I learned as I went along and I watched and I learned and I did. And then I got corrected and then I improved my game and I eventually I was able to do myself. And I think it really depends on where the florist is in that sort of hierarchy of floristry within your your own business. Um, But certainly having spoken to other florists, other florists that are working in London, I know that up to £25 an hour Um, But sometimes there can be issues with, well, you know, they arrive at the studio and then we go all get in the van and we go off to a venue and deliver the wedding. But the wedding might be one and a half hours away. Do I pay my best florist £20 an hour for the hour and a half that they're travelling to and from the work? And I think that's a difficult one. Um, Actually, it's not difficult. Maybe there's a negotiation to be had there. In my situation, if um, my florist team are travelling from further afield to get to my studio, then perhaps I might suggest that they drive straight to the venue and then they can go directly home rather than rely on me driving them back here and them driving themselves home. So I think there are so many factors to, to, that come into play and it's not black and white. So regional differences, um, skill sets um, and actually what you're actually retailing your flowers at and I know that there's an enormous variation from England to Wales to Scotland Um, as a florist teacher when I talk about pricing I know that the variables are just huge absolutely huge Um, and what I'm charging for a wreath for example at Christmas here in West Berkshire is vastly different different to what somebody is charging in the middle of I don't know well in in Wales for example Um, so I think you have to kind of balance all of those things what I will say is for the most part most of us florists are all buying our flowers at a similar rate um, cost per stem Um, I think most wholesalers across the board are fairly standardized Um, and so you know we're all paying the same for our wholesale products so you know what we're actually charging at the other end is the bit where that gives us the margins to actually pay for our staff so 
As I say, there isn't a right or wrong answer, but I going back to the question in hand, I do think £13 for a skilled florist with a wealth of experience um, is quite undermining and and I think it's rude. I think it's really insulting to be charged, to be um, suggesting that that's all they're worth. I'll be very interested, though, to hear your thoughts on this. Um, it's quite a topical subject, and it's certainly a subject that, as a florist amongst my florist peers, um, is a, a conversation that we we do have from time to time. The flower of the week this week is dun dun dun. It's the daffodil. I felt like I couldn't get through March without actually um, giving it its rightful place as flower of the week. Um, And there are just so many different varieties. Um, Daffodils are also known as narcissi or jonquil. And believe it or not, I didn't know this until I googled it a little while ago. It's actually part of the amaryllis family. And I don't know why I'm surprised about that, because they're both bulbs. One's ginormous. I'm certainly an amaryllis I always associate with the earlier part of the year. So Christmas, January, February. And I have got some white ones currently flowering beautifully in my sitting room at the moment. But really, for me, the flower of March has to be the daffodil. Um, and I always associate them with Mothering Sunday. Um, traditionally, here in the UK, Mothering Sunday um, was a day where um, the big houses who had um, staff in service, staff that were living in a house and, you know, the cooks, the cleaners, um, back pre-war I'm talking, um, were allowed a day off in the spring to go and visit their mothers um, and after church they would leave and go and see them before they had to be back at the house before nightfall. And very often they would take their mothers a bunch of spring flowers and invariably that would be a daffodil or a bunch of daffodils. Um, Now for me, whenever I go shopping, I always smile when I see the little Union Jack on the bunches of daffodils in Sainsbury's and Tesco's. And I know most of those have come from Cornwall and the Silly Isles. Um, It's one of those flowers which we have an abundance of here in the United Kingdom. Um, And there are about 250 different varieties. Um, I think my favourite one is the Narcissi Poeticus, which is also known as the pheasant's eye daffodil. And it's a very pale off-white and it's got the trumpet in the middle, has got this little ring of bright orange. It's very, very thin, that ring of bright orange. And it does look a little bit like a pheasant's eye. Um, And I grow those with so much love. And Where possible, I hope I've got brides who love a daffodil and that will have them in their their flowers. Um, Now, I'm just going to digress a little bit here, but I often hear this of late, but I often hear um, or get messages from florists asking me about daffodils and the sap that when you cut them, you get this kind of clear, stringy sap, um, which apparently can be an irritant. And I know daffodils and certainly their bulbs are poisonous. Um, And so I get questions like, Lynn's, when you're doing a bouquet and it's got narcissi in, do you put the narcissi in at the very last minute before it goes out the door and it gets delivered to the bride? And the answer is no. I actually wasn't aware for all of these years that they were so harmful. And so I can only conclude that it must be a handful um, of daffodils that that cause any issue. Um, Certainly none of them that I've ever bought from the wholesaler have ever 
had any effect noticeable to me on my flowers and I normally get my my flowers in for a wedding about um, 36 hours ahead of a wedding date Um, and then I will be arranging those flowers and they will be going in water and that water if they are emitting that that clear stringy sticky sap um, will be mingling with roses and ranunculus and all sorts of other things and no it absolutely has no effect as far as I'm concerned whatsoever Um, so 22 years a florist no effect so I'd kind of say it's a bit of an old wives tale and if you have anything else to say uh, or you disagree please do let me know because I've never had a problem so yeah daffodils are my absolute favorites um the meaning of them I think Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to Google it. But to be honest with you, I don't think it's one of those flowers which the meaning has very narcissi, narcissist, isn't it? Yes, somebody who's really kind of obsessed with themselves, puts themselves first. Um, I don't really go along with the big meanings. There are some things like rosemary for remembrance, but actually daffodils. To me, they're just bright sticks of sunshine and they just make me smile. Um, I just associate them with cheerfulness. And I think there is one called cheerfulness. I love the smell. um, And even though I'm a little bit allergic to them. So if I have like a couple of hundred stems in my studio for a wedding, for example, I get a little bit wheezy. If you do too, I normally just take um, one of those antihistamines that doesn't make you sleepy and it's absolutely fine. So it doesn't stop me using them in any way. I just love all the little dainty ones in my bridal bouquets. It's another flower which I can really associate with the time of year. And when I look back over my flower portfolio and I look at a vase or a bouquet of flowers and I can see that there's a daffodil in there. Generally speaking, I know that it's probably the month of March, maybe April. But again, depending on the the temperature outside really does affect when the daffodils and our our spring flowers come up. And if Mother Nature is having a very cold, harsh spring, it can be quite late in the month of March that they're coming up. But certainly for this particular Mother's Day in 2023, um, I know that there'll be lots of lots of daffodils coming up in people's gardens. Um, so if you have got a lovely clutch growing out front, just check they're still there on um, Sunday morning in case somebody's wandered past and picked them for their mum. <laughs> so here we are and it's actually Friday afternoon. And um, I've spent a morning doing admin catch-up because a week with two full-day workshops in um, has set me a little bit behind, but that's okay. Um, I've had um, four funeral inquiries this week, and so it's been really important to prioritise them and to speak to the, the families to, uh, to, to plan things. Um, there's often a very short lead-up time to funerals, and so I have to get my flowers in and plan at all and do quotes and what have you so um it's been really really busy and I think um I say I won't do two workshops in a week again but never say never right I am one of those people that will go oh it's never again and then I'll go and do it because it, it was really good to get both of them done in such a short space of time and and chosen deliberately because we've got a week we're a week away from mothering Sunday and I knew a lot of florists would be wanting to sell flowers for that so I wanted to get in before the price hike really Um, there are so many things to think about when you're a florist it's and these are the sorts of things that during the course of even a foam free or a bridal workshop 
I talk about business. I talk about um, the things that I do every day as a florist. I think it's really, really important. Um, And I think that honesty um, is really well received by people. I think it's really important that, you know, the teacher who's taking that class, I don't, you know, I'm just one of them. That's the thing. I'm just one of them at the end of the day. I'm just trying to earn a living. Um, What I have um, in abundance, which a lot of newer florists won't have at this point in their, their careers, is I have experience and, you know... I can draw on that experience and apply it to my practice. And so I think it's there's a real reassurance in that. And also the fact that I am still a working, jobbing event florist. And I'm not just pulling out stuff from bygone days. I'm experiencing the same things as the florists who were with me yesterday and on Monday are experiencing. And I think that's really important as a mentor, particularly, that um, you can speak, you can draw on direct experience um, as a as a wedding florist, you know, not just doing one or two a year, but, you know, actually every week in the season, I am arranging flowers. I think it's really important that people do look to me um, knowing that I know exactly what I'm talking about. So at the beginning of this podcast, I wanted to talk about why I teach. And I teach because I love enabling other people. And I love I love the response after people have come for a workshop, be that a one-to-one or certainly the group workshop. It's the fact that um, people go, oh, oh, she can do it. And she can, she is looking at it with the same set of eyes from the same perspective as we're looking at it. Um, it's not from a privileged position at all. It's from an everyday jobbing florist. Um, I, you know, I feel the reality of a recession. There are are not as many weddings this year. My quotes are going through the roof in costings and I'm not getting the business. And I don't know how other people are booking because, you know, I'm doing the maths and that's how much it costs. And I think people really respect that in a florist teacher is that, you know, I do understand, I do know what they're feeling and this is how I deal with it um, and suck it up sometimes. So yeah, that's pretty much um, what I wanted to say. And I've just pulled up an email um, that I just wanted to really end the podcast on and it just said, thank you so much, Linz, for a wonderful workshop today. I really enjoyed it and found it very useful and beneficial. I have done several workshops over the years and this one was by far the most informative. So thank you. I really appreciated how much you crammed into the day and the speed you worked. All of us firing questions and requests of you. It didn't phase you at all. Yeah, I mean, emails like that, they just mean the world to me. They really, really do. And it's why I get up and go the extra mile. I do cram a lot into my workshops. I don't just, you know, give the bare minimum. Um, I know that it costs people, they dig deep when they come to a workshop. They, They spend their money and I want them to feel like they get value, not just you know, words and platitudes. I I really want to send them home with, you know, a, a bag full of information. And they all looked really exhausted yesterday afternoon. Um, and um, Fee and I did quite a lot of the building of the, um, the big upright installation that we created. Um, and 
and then actually when I got home I had a um a whatsapp message from another florist that I mentor and she said she'd just come back from teaching a spring wreath workshop to eight people and and she said Lynn's I don't know how you do it because I'm absolutely knackered. And, you know, my kids have just had the bare minimum, most basic tea before they went to bed. And I'm just, you know, she was just, it sounded like she was lying prostrate on on the floor, done in. And to be honest, I did reply and say, yeah, I know exactly how I feel. But just remember, at the end of this month, I'm going to be 56 years old. And I will be. And I am, I do feel it. Uh, I, I am tired, but I had a night's sleep. I got up and you carry on. And I don't imagine it's going to be any different for the next five or six years. Um, I am going to balance my teaching with my event floristry and I'm going to continue doing what I do because I love doing it and I love making this podcast and I love sharing the fact that I'm a normal everyday jobbing florist and I love just sharing that love of what I do and you know thank you for listening and I love the fact that you often message me and say you know you really enjoy this podcast and it's it's a privilege to be able to have an opportunity to share and empty my brain sometimes um, verbally to you Um, and I love the feedback that you give me so I hope this podcast has been really really interesting on why I teach and um, and if you are considering teaching be prepared you you need to you know have the answers you need to be authentic you need to have had the experience Um, don't take people's money if you haven't got enough to give maybe just work a few more years and get a bit more experience under your belt um, because you will meet all people from all walks there will be I sometimes think people who come and do one-to-ones with me I often they sit down for a cup of tea at the beginning and I say why are you here your work looks amazing this looks great that looks great perhaps I should be asking you how you do it and and then there'll be a motive for coming and why they want to come and what they want to get out of their day but you know I am an everyday jobbing florist and I want to enable other people to have the life that I have as a florist and if I can share and disseminate that information in the best way possible then I'm going to continue to do so it's an absolute privilege so I'm going to walk the dog now um, because she didn't get one yesterday and she's looking a little bit hacked off um I've already been out this morning to clear the um, flowers for the showcase, uh, or not the showcase, the menu tasting um, event yesterday and the day before. And I've already um, given those flowers away to one of my yogi friends that's just popped in for a quick cup of tea. And to Sue, my beloved trusty cleaning lady, who deserves everything in life and then some, because she keeps my house neat and tidy so yeah I've got a little bit more ordering for next week's um, jobs and off to walk the dog and then I'm going to call it a day and call it the weekend so thank you for listening and um, be back soon Lindsay Kitchen is back in two weeks and if you'd like a question answered in the mailbag part of the show write to Lynn's via Instagram at the white horse flower On our Patreon channel, you'll hear Extra Snippings, which is linked to in your podcast player app or through the White Horse Flower episode. Exclusive Days in the Life of a Florist recordings as Lindsay takes you through a workday. The English Florist is a Loading Zone production.